podcast, the only Baltimore podcast mentioned on Pardon My Take this week. We are back. It's myself, Taylor Smythe, RDT, and Barstool Banks coming at you after a big Ravens win on Sunday. We will be joined by the owner of Jimmy Seafood, John Minadakis, later in the episode. A fantastic interview covering a bunch of different things, including some great stuff from John on the state of restaurants, restaurants excuse me, right now in Baltimore. You're going to want to hear that. But first, we have to start out with the Baltimore football Ravens, who are declared back by not just this podcast, but many outlets. We are back. We play the Jaguars this weekend, and the Ravens are back in the COVID issues world. Mr. Banks, break down what should be a pretty easy week for the Ravens that has now become a little bit harder as more guys have hit the COVID list. We just can't get out of our own way, can we? I mean, you, you would think with, with all that we went through three weeks ago, especially with the fact that it was a coach or a strength and conditioning guy that I guess started that whole fiasco, you would think everybody from the janitors to the lunch ladies to the players – families, everybody would be the most careful. And, and this, this disease works in mysterious ways, but to have this happen where, you know, the wide receivers coach has it and has exposed himself to the wide receiver room. Um, we're just on, on COVID watch again, like we're every single day, we're going to wake up and I'm going to pray that I don't get word that we're putting somebody on the COVID list on a given day. And um, the fact that it's a position group that we're already pretty weak at, not ideal. Um, you know, Marquise Brown uh, has had his trials and tribulations. He had his big moment on Monday night. But um, him not being in that offense takes a lot away from it and what it's able to do because teams have to respect his speed. Whether or not his hands work, they have to respect it. And if he's not on the field, it kind of shrinks the field a lot and it can change what the Ravens are able to do on offense. Um, and then just from a it's a personnel standpoint. I mean, you've got Snead, you've got Des Bryant, who's off the list finally, and you've got um, Duvernay. So is that the first person I said? No, Duvernay. So um, really three wide receivers. And I know that they signed Gary Jennings, who's a West Virginia receiver, um, off the, uh, to the practice squad today. So who knows, maybe he, he dresses, but we're going to be hoping that they test the, the three receivers, um, Marquise Brown, James Prochet, and uh, Miles Boykin hope that they continue to test negative and are able to play on Sunday. And it's also, I mean, like we talked about, it's the Jaguars, so it's not – you're not going up against one of the best I, defenses. I, and, I refuse to take that mentality because every single time I feel that we're going to do our job against the, the Jaguars, we do not. And I bet you're just chomping at the bit to bring up the London game from five, six years ago that was a complete disaster. I don't want to talk about it. Or maybe I did. Where I did Elvis Dumerville, uh, I think, made a sack that should have ended the game or something, but they called mm -hmm. the passer with Blake Bortles. I was at that game. And I think a 55-yard field goal or something. By yeah, Scobie? Josh Lam Lambeau, maybe? Was it Scobie Lambeau? It was one of those. I think it was Lambeau. And then um, I think there was another one, a Monday night game that in when I was in college where yeah. Flacco just played a complete dud and they lost – so like Blaine Gabbert or like one of their retread quarterbacks. So I see your smirk over there, Tim. I know you're a big Blaine Gabbert guy. I don't know why, but why are you Blaine Gabbert guy? 
I'm a Blaine Gabbert guy. If you, if you go on YouTube, and this is this is terrible. Uh, we radio, talked about this. And you search Blaine Gabbert, Real American, you will find perhaps one of the finest YouTube videos. And I don't know who created it, um, so shout out to whoever it is. Like, <laughs> uh, me and my, my roommate, who I talked about in the instant analysis, who we also lived together in college, um, we have just listened to that for a long extended period of time. And so I always had a soft spot for Blaine Gabbert, who was – Never really been that effective at all in any capacity as an NFL quarterback, but that has always that video has always endeared him to me. It is a Blaine Gabbert is a real American to the Hulk Hogan real American, which is funny. We talked about this. We talked a lot about wrestling with John later in the show, but um, it is just it's really funny. It's it's very very funny. I can't remember was that that may have been Gabbert. Was that Gabbert or Chad Henney? Because those guys and they 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 say they say in the in the um, in the song, put in Henny, suck on my D in the, uh, <laughs> in the episode. Uh, oh, it was the us, tw- us playing Gabbert guys do not like Chad Henny. Because All right, so I have it right show. here. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the final score? No, I no. believe this is that game. It is. I'm looking at it. 12 7. 12 7. That had to be a scoregami, right? Was that, was that, that was in like Probably driving not. rain, correct? Was, it, was that when Pittsburgh played them when the punt stuck in the ground? That might have been a. No, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh played Miami. That, that was the Miami, uh, and on, the on, punt on, came on, down. On a Monday night. On a Monday, it was it, Monday it was, night. Yeah, so Maurice Jones drew ran for 105 against the NFL's best run defense. Scobie kicked four field goals. Josh Scobie. Yeah, on a Monday night game. Yep. Yeah, so it was yeah, it was Blaine Gabbert's first, I think it said first career win. Nine for 20, 93 yards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, some, that's, a, that's hey, an all-time stat line. <laughs> there are some horrendous scores in this, in this history. Ravens had 146 yards of total offense. There's also like percent. one of the underrated Ravens preseason games of all time is 39 20. What is it? 39 36 in the, in the opening weeks of the uh, Super Bowl season. That's a true. Oh yeah. Season. No, it's one of the greatest games that like, I don't think the fan base was really kind of built out yet at that point. And also it was early in a year where I don't think anybody expected the year to become what it did. And that them hanging 36 on that defense is kind of the, the, uh, anomaly, the anomaly that, the anomaly that of entire the year. year. Um, so yeah, just some weird Jaguar, you know, the old AFC, uh, central, um, if I'm looking at the history here, the Ravens actually dropped their first eight games to the Jaguars and that win, um, that you just mentioned was their first franchise win over the Jaguars. And that was when the Jaguars, uh, after being after being an expansion team, got Brunel and kind of had it rolling for. Oh, dude, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith, Smith and, is one of the most underrated Fred receivers Taylor. I think you've ever seen. I saw somebody just doing one of those like just random Hall of Fame campaigns for Jimmy Smith, and his numbers and his like eight really seasons like stack up with pretty much everybody else's in the Hall of Fame in the range of the stats he has. So shout out to Jimmy Smith, shout out to Keenan McCardell. You know, he, I know he's been involved. Maryland guy. Well, yeah. Former Maryland receivers coach. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyways, uh, Jaguars Ravens history gets a little squirrely. Take, don't want to take any chances. I know the Ravens are 13 point favorites here. Um, the Jaguars are in the running there with the jets for, for that first overall pick. Um, they're bad. We just, they're really bad. They're, they're bad, but Blaine, uh, not Blaine Gabbard. Jeez, Gardner Minshew has <laughs> might as well be had his moments in his career where he just kind of gets out there and slings it. So, and our secondary, you know, somewhat lost in the shuffle of that loss or the the win on Monday night. 
is the fact that that secondary just could not stop anything whatsoever. And you've got to think, I mean, Gardner is going to be the best quarterback they see the rest of the year. Correct. I, I think Jones? You're, yeah, well, Daniel if, Jones has been terrible. But how, I mean, with him hurt, with his hamstring and now an ankle injury next week, I mean, that's not going to be healed by then. So I don't, I don't even know who. Uh, I, I would say he will be the best quarterback the Ravens. Who are the Bengals even Daniel, starting at this point? Allen, I don't even know. Allen, Finley, or Lindley? Not good. Colt McCoy is like a nice backup, but he's not better than Gardner Minshew um, at this point. Uh, the Bengals are starting. Ryan Allen, right? Or, are they starting Brandon, Brandon Allen? Are they starting? Yeah, yeah I, I like think so. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Finley's out. Obviously, Burrow's out. Um, he's having a great rookie year. Um, this Jacksonville defense is horrible. This, uh, it's terrible. It's 418 yards a game. They are an, an absolute outright atrocity. They're giving up 145 rushing yards a game, um, which is among the worst in the NFL. Uh, they are really, really bad and, and not really even close. Uh, the Houston's giving up 406 yards a game and the Jets are just under 400. Jets are pretty much just trying to lose every week at this point. I do agree with you. The one potential problem, if the Jags can stop the Ravens at all, um, which I think if the Ravens get ahead in this game, this is going to be pretty much over, is there are some um, skill position players. James Robinson ha- is has been one of the really great stories in the league. This yeah. year. He's over 1,000 yards as an undrafted player. If you picked him up in your fantasy league at the beginning of the season, you've been richly rewarded by his performance um, so he's going to give a, a Ravens front that has continued to have some issues at times stopping the run, um, some potential problems if they can get it going. And then obviously some of these uh, some of these Jacksonville receivers are solid. I mean, DJ Chark, I think on a, on a different team is the guy that's talked about way more. He's a good player. Yeah. I mean, he is a good player. Um, and Chenault is good. And Keelan Cole is a pretty good player. And Chenault's a guy they picked. Um, yeah, I liked him a lot. So, they have some offensive talent. Their defense is just – and they've been frisky every once in a while on some of these games. They're pretty frisky. Um, they're pretty frisky with Pittsburgh. They beat the Colts in week one, game. didn't they? Mm-hmm. Beat the Colts in week one. Um, they were frisky with the Vikings a couple weeks ago. They lost by two to the Browns. Um, they lost by four to the Packers. They lost by – I mean, these games are close. Two to the Texans. So they've stayed in games. The Ravens need to play, uh, you know, lead from the front football. I mean, they need to get out there, take the ball first, score, and then just pin their ears back and get just after Gardner Minshew. Assert their dominance for sure. Yeah, don't don't allow them control the possessions. Don't allow them to get into the game um, and, and make it an, make it an easy win. Um, but there's definitely some, as you said, with the secondary issues and just the overall depth loss of depth on the defense. Jacksonville has guys that can theoretically punish you if you're not, you know, up to standard on the day. They need to, the Ravens need to do what the Titans did last week, which I mean, again, that game was over at half. It was pretty much over at halftime. Titans scored, I think, two touchdowns or 10 points in the last 53 seconds, I think. But I mean, you saw Derrick Henry had 200 think with 215 yards and he didn't play the fourth quarter. He didn't play much of the third quarter. I mean, they, they can run on this defense. And I feel like we've said this a lot this year. Like if there's a game to get right. And like, we, we may just have to stop saying that, but like that get right game with the running game, I guess for an individual, if JK Dobbins, like if there's going to be a game where Gus Edwards and or JK Dobbins breaks out, it's going to be this one because they could both easily have a hundred yards. Lamar, 
do I go on record saying that they're going to have three guys rush over 100 yards? Probably not because Lamar probably won't play. Well, I guess he will play this fourth quarter because I don't know if they want to give Tyler Huntley those looks. But, um, I mean, this is a game that they should absolutely show up, get off the bus, and 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 roll over the Jags. Because, again, they're, they're, their offense, and I know, Taylor, you said it, is frisky. Their defense is is just non-existent. So, it's, it'll – because, again, I feel like the last two weeks I've seen the team that the Ravens play – the week before when the Titans play them and the Jaguars are just a pathetic excuse. I would love to see them in the Jets play right now. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that'd be something that Jets team is. Maybe they could do a bowl. They could do a bowl with that. Right. Look, Monty, I mean, I mean, Parker I mean, why bowl? Not? maybe they, I mean, honestly, put them in the, put them in the college football playoff, all that controversy, <laughs> stick those two teams in there and just see what happens. I mean, anytime, any place. Yeah. I, BYU the, versus the I, Jets. The Jack should play coastal Carolina. Ooh. And the Jets should play Cincinnati. Could you imagine the tailgate Ooh. scene for a Jags Coastal Carolina game? Tremendous! <laughs> oh my goodness! Tremendous. There's definitely a lot of there's a lot of overlapping. There. They'd do some tailgating. You wouldn't be able to tell who was rooting for who. Similar colors, um, similar probably quality hairstyles. It would be yeah. one of the great displays of teal in the history of America. A lot I of think we're onto something here. I don't know why they're not. They should play that. They should do that. They should do a double header in Jacksonville and play like <laughs> Coastal Carolina, Clemson, yeah. Clemson versus the Jets. If Clemson wins, the Jets can't draft Trevor Lawrence. Oh my God, Jets! You play your way out of New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they should yeah. do that. Loser leaves town. Saturday, Saturday game. The Jets can play an exhibition game with Coastal Carolina, and uh, or excuse me, to J- Jacksonville. Um, That'd be true. Bring put like a high school state championship game in there before something like that. Just make like put like three football games in one day. That that, that should be the game on Nickelodeon. That there's our official <laughs> yeah. platform. Uh, yeah. Roger Goodell, do what you want with it, but I think we're all on record there. They could that do a dry run. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You could have like a, a, like a SpongeBob Patchy the Pirate football special leading in with like Berman and Patchy. I mean, I this saw, is. I saw all that news about Nickelodeon doing that today. But at no point until this exact moment did it occur to me, like, are we lined up to play in that game? Are we going to be that team in that Nickelodeon game? Let me say, we're playing on Nick. I'm watching on Nick. No (laughs) doubt. No doubt. I need the integrations. If they don't do sweet victory at the half, (laughs) that is one of the great misses. They they almost have to. The halftime show should be them running that Van Geeks episode. They had to put it in the Super Bowl that that it got campaigned for. Like they didn't have a choice. So like last year, put it in the Travis Scott two years ago. I think yeah. Yeah. And it it kind of didn't deliver to the degree that I think people wanted it to, but they still did it. So they wanted they wanted the whole song. They didn't want it to like roll into super mode. But I mean, you you can only you can only um get what you ask. Let's let. It's a CBS game, so that would indicate an AFC game. Um, 430 a... Sunday, January 10th. It doesn't really give an idea of what the uh, the seating would be. It's a shame but the Texans are missing will, that window. It will include that a slot. special halftime sneak peek of Camp Coral SpongeBob's under years, which follows 10-year-old SpongeBob SquarePants and his pals as they spend a summer building underwater campfires, catching wild <laughs> and swimming in Lake Yakimuk. I mean, this is tremendous. I mean, this is just so tremendous. Um, so Jake, Jake Marsh said on part of my take today that Jim Nance is calling that game. 
So he's him, calling it on CBS though. They're, he's calling the normal version. But but yeah. and you know who's calling it on Nickelodeon? I think it's Ian Eagle's son. It's Noah Eagle who's the yeah. yeah he does play by play for the Clippers. He's like one of the youngest um, play by play people um, for an NBA team I think ever. Um, and he's and doing it with um, super talented Nate Burleson. A couple of my buddies know him. Yeah, he's doing Nate Burleson and and um, some Nick star Gabrielle Nueva Green. Um, who is, is apparently involved in, in, in that. So, But the thing is, is like if Nance is doing it, it's going to be a good matchup. Like it's not going to be yeah, yeah. Dolphins, uh, yeah. Colts, or, you know, even though that can't happen. I'm just it, – I can't wait. one of those boring games. Romo ESPN is going to be must-watch TV. He, he's yeah. going to buy into it. He's got his kids. He's going to buy into it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, predictions for this game, Jaguars, Ravens. Uh, I will start. I normally don't start, so I will start. Um, the Ravens will win this game 33 to 10. I will go. I'll say 30 to 13. Okay. I think that the Ravens will win this game 38 to 17. I think Lamar throws for three runs for another. He usually doesn't combine the running and the passing in a given game when he stacks up the passing touchdowns. Um, I mean, I think he's just back. He's just back, period. We're going to see a lot more of what we saw, uh, him playing just Lamar Jackson football and not somebody else's type of football. So I'm excited about it. That's a big time. That's a big time back declaration right yes, there. I, I love, love to see that. So all three of us predicting what should be a pretty comfortable Ravens win, uh, as they head through and, and root against some of these other teams in the wild card chase. Um, a lot of those results went the Ravens way last week. So that was a, that was a positive, but, um, if you're a Ravens fan this week, you're rooting for the chargers on Thursday night to beat the Raiders. So I do think the Raiders are kind of coming apart at the seams. They're running out of gas. Um, you are rooting for uh, the lions to beat the Titans. You're rooting for the Texans to beat the Colts. Theoretically. Although, what do we want to happen with this AFC South? I guess directly you have the you have the you have the tiebreaker against the Colts. You want the Colts to be the team that kind of. So you're saying that you guys have to root for the Titans or are pulling for the Titans? No, I, I'm not. Never mind. I, right. I, I, I'm focused on winning these last three games, and that's, that's coach talk. Right oh, there. see where the chips board watch. See the chips. See where the chips fall. But if we no, win, that's very true. If we win our three, we're going to be in the dance. Um, by yes. the way, there is a there's a uh, radio host who um, goes by three letters. Who I guess I, I caught it late. Said that he doesn't think the Ravens will make the playoffs. Still at this point, literally <laughs> uh, six hours. Yes, ago. he's good. The Ravens are going to win the next three games, and said person is still going to say that John Harbaugh is on the hot seat. Well, well, he'll go, he'll go, I don't, you know, I don't know. And he always gets choked up like that. And then, (laughs) and and we'll, and I mean, like you said, I'm still waiting on Bon Jovi to buy the Titans. Like you said, was going to happen a couple years ago. Um, Yeah. But I mean, my guess is it's a mutual agreement between Harbaugh and the Ravens that he's out. Yeah, sure. There you have it. There you have it. You heard it here first. Yeah, Uh, fake news. You heard it first. Yeah, you heard it first. Yeah, you, you heard, uh, you heard a mocking here first. Uh, one thing that you should uh, get potentially on your Sunday when you watch the Ravens is some carryout from Jimmy Seafood. And we had the 
owner of Jimmy Seafood, John Minadakis, on the show today to talk about a variety of things from the Ravens win over the Browns to really, a, a, I thought, extremely interesting breakdown of how restaurants had to deal with the pandemic and the struggle. And I know we talked about on the podcast last week, you've seen on our social channels, our Be There for Be More campaign. This puts a lot of, I think, what we're trying to support in perspective when you listen to John's words about, you know, the struggles at his restaurant. But he, he as he said, he's an anomaly. These other restaurants and bars in, in Baltimore and these places are really struggling. And, it's, and he's, he bluntly puts may not come back. So listen to that. We get into some wrestling talk as well and a variety of other things. So let's jump to our interview uh, with the owner of Jimmy's Seafood, John Minadakis. Something magic happens. Back on the Exit 52 podcast with the first ever two-time guest on the show. That's a, pre- that's a pretty big honor. The owner of Jimmy Seafood, John Minadakis. John, first of all, I got to start. What was your reaction to the Ravens game on Monday night? I think that's, the, I mean, just unbelievable. What was your reaction to that entire shenanigan affair? Yeah, so like the fan of me, obviously, uh, was seeing stars and going nuts, uh, you know, but the small business owner and me, I was really upset, honestly. Uh, once I, once I, like, I sat down and I thought about it, all I could think about was, man, that would have been a phenomenal moment uh, at Jimmy's. One of those moments where you never forget and you never forget the first person you hug. And, you know, if it wasn't Jimmy's, it would have been a place of Federal Hill for some of us or Canton or Fells Point. And unfortunately, you know, because of last week's ruling, you know, we got robbed of that. I have heard rumors that, you know, Baltimore County establishments and Howard County establishments stayed open past 10 because it was such a special game. And that's more power to them, man. And I, you know, I, I really don't know what I would have done uh, if I was put in that situation. Maybe would have locked the door, uh, good fellow style. But, uh, <laughs> it, it's just one of those moments where, you know, we remember why we're fans and why we love this team so much. Uh, and the coach said, you know, if you make a movie about it, nobody will believe you. Now, did you think Lamar was taking the shit, or or did, were you buying the cramp story the whole way? You know, he's he's a, he's a pretty um, pretty honest guy. I feel like if he was, he would have said it. And uh, the sports doctor guy on Twitter uh, pointed out that he did have the IV bandage, so maybe he made a pit stop there. But that wasn't you know the entire story for sure. Uh, but that's not for uh, him to decide. I guess it's for uh, social media to decide and. I saw the Broncos Twitter account. I had some fun with it today. So mm-hmm. yeah, the legend grows. Could you imagine the T-shirts that he could have sold, like the Lamar Jackson branded T-shirts? He should have just said yes for those T-shirts. Like that would have been, oh, man, yeah, you could have come up with some good ones. And, I, yeah, the, the Broncos tweet today was pretty funny. That was uh, credit to them for, uh, for sticking their head out there because I know, I know we've talked about it a couple times, the, uh, the, the social media aspect of, of sports is – it's it's it can get it can get dirty so i i like to see them playing in the mud a little bit um no pun intended but I was um, say no pun intended yeah um <laughs> real quick so so again everyone obviously knows baltimore city um put these rules in you guys adapted in your own unique way the first time with building that patio you know putting the tent up in the um in the parking lot doing literally everything by the rule to stay open to to continue to be there for you know your guests your family your friends um what steps are you guys taking again this time around you know strike two or not strike two but the second step to adjust to these rules is there anything different or are you guys kind of just going back to step one well you know it is a little different this time around because 
pretty much everybody in Maryland but Baltimore City is open, right? So um, it's not an even playing field per se this time around. And people don't have to get carry out. They can go to the county. Uh, so it's, it's a little harder this time. And uh, that's not me complaining. I'm actually extremely happy for, you know, my brothers and sisters like in the industry that are now going to, you know, have extra customers. Uh, that's that's all, our goal at the end of the day is uh, to have as many people in there as possible in a safe environment, obviously, for, you know, our staff to make money. And they're going to reap the benefits of it for a while, and I'm happy for them. So, you know, us personally and us as, you know, Baltimore City bars and restaurants, it's a li little more tough this time around because, number one, we have that working against us. Uh, the weather's working against us this time. Uh, obviously, we, we had the snow today, so that people weren't able to come get carry out. A lot of people don't want to drive in the snow. So it's a lot harder this time around. Um, but, yeah, we're doing what we did last time, man. We're shipping crab cakes nationwide. We got the food trucks out on the road. Of course, we have carry out. We're finding uh, ways to get money into the pockets of our employees because, uh, like I told them, the government's not going to take care of them. Uh, so we're doing, obviously, as you've seen, raffles, very similar to what you guys are doing. Uh, we're doing drink tutorials through our social media channels uh, so people can tip them virtually. We're keeping our musicians working. Uh, there's a live concert going on tonight. There's a live concert going on tomorrow. And, you know, we're giving the musicians their full pay and, you know, we're asking people to consider tipping them. Uh, and then the worst part about this time around is the timing, uh, not just because of the weather, but because it's right before Christmas. So, you know, we have a ton of employees and some of them have kids. They all have rent. Uh, they all have bills and they all, you know, don't want to ruin Christmas for their loved ones. And, uh, you know, they're looking down that barrel of a shotgun right now. And it, it's a really tough time. So, uh I'll tell you the one thing I'm not doing is sleeping. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. To come up with uh, innovative and new ways, and you kind of just wake up every day and read the proverbial newspaper. Uh, you see what the rules are that day. You adjust. Sure. Yeah. Given given your immense success that you've had within the city, being a local business and everything, you've kind of become a master of uh, I don't know being out in front of some of the trends and 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 being creative and coming up with some some new ways to kind of adjust. Obviously, you can keep these these uh, trade secrets to yourself or whatever you want to call them. But what would you recommend to some of these other smaller um, businesses that are in the city that are, you know, you know, scratching and clawing? I think any, any small business owner has the kind of the, the gusto and they have the hustle and they they have the grind. They know the grind. But, you know, sometimes that's not enough. And that's the saddest part about all of this. So, like, what, what, what advice would you give to somebody else in the industry? I mean, I'll be really honest with you, man, and I hate to sound doom and gloom. <laughs> it's tough right now. And if you're a traditional neighborhood bar, uh, the place where the community goes to watch the game and all you serve is nachos, uh, you're not going to probably make it this time around. Uh, a day like today when it was snowing, the Canton bars would have been swamped. Instead, they're ringing in zeros or they're ringing in $200 because they were able to sell a couple hot dogs. Um, it's tough, man, especially if you don't have that social media reach that we're blessed enough to have. Um, I don't know what to say. Um, there, there's been stats that have been thrown out anywhere from 50 to 80 percent, depending who you're listening to, are never going to reopen. Um, if you think about some of the best memories that we all have, you know, birthday parties, 
graduation parties, um, stopping somewhere after a wedding, they're always at local places. They're not at, you know, Bennigan's or TGI Fridays. They're at your spot, right? They're at the bar in Federal Hill. They're at the bar in Canton. And those places aren't going to be there when this is over, if this keeps up, unless something changes. I've spoken to dozens of them who said, this is it. This was the last punch for me. I've heard so many, you hate to say the word cliches, but I mean, they're true in this case. You've heard sucker punch, political sucker punch. You've heard death blow. Um, you've heard death sentence. And people are real careful to use that when it comes to, to COVID, obviously, because everybody is taking it seriously and people are obviously dying. But for these business owners, it is the death sentence uh, for something that they worked at their entire life. So I don't have advice. Uh, I just got lucky. And you say that I'm a master of my craft and I'm really not, man. Like, I didn't think that when we saved money to buy a food truck, that there was a pandemic coming around the corner in 2020 and that would keep us alive. Um, it's tough. And my advice is fight back, you know, um, legally in a smart way, fight back. I can tell you this, if I was a traditional bar and I didn't have food, if I didn't have a carryout and I didn't have, you know, the luxuries that I have, um, I would stay open. If I was a corner bar, on Monday night and the Ravens are playing the Browns, I'm telling 20 of my best customers come in here and I will serve you drinks and I will close the door. What, what is it, what has it been like to, to have to be forced to innovate during a time like this? How do you, how did you guys approach it when the pandemic initially started and you realized, okay, we don't know how long this is going to be going on. We don't know what the regulations are going to look like for a variety of different times. It's, it's been almost inspiring. Obviously it's, it's depressing in a way to watch bar struggle, but it's been inspiring too to watch. And I live in Fed Hill, watch all these places build outdoor seating and, and do all these different things to make sure they can stay alive. What was that mentality for you guys when it initially started? Right. So the initial reaction obviously is, all right, let's figure this out and let's make it happen. And they all did. And you, you referenced the outdoor spaces. Those things cost money. Um, and that's money that bars and restaurants, for the most part, don't have. A lot of them went into debt and borrowed money to build those structures, which they were told were needed for them to, to remain alive. And now this time around, it's extremely disheartening. It's demoralizing uh, for them to say, hey, you just spent tens of thousands of dollars on this space. Uh, close it up. Doesn't matter. Uh, so now it's like, OK, well, then well, how am I going to stay alive this time? And everybody's scratching and clawing and trying to figure out what the rules are going to be day to day. And to use a sports analogy, the government just keeps to seem uh, moving the goalposts. And, you know, my arch nemesis, Portnoy, like he's been having some phenomenal rants about this. And, you know, yeah. there's pictures of packed airplanes going out there. And at some point during this pandemic, the restaurants and bars became the scapegoat. Um, you can't have 15 people outdoors in a 60 foot space, but you can have 144 passengers on an airplane sitting next to each other. It's ridiculous, right? So um, it's going to hurt, man. It's going to be rough. And the thing is, even the ones that do reopen, you'll see them close up in a year or two because they, they're going to be so far in debt. It'll be hard for them to turn a profit long enough to stay ahead of their bills and to pay back these debts that they're going to be owing to pay back these property tax bills, to pay back, you know, their BG&E bills. Um, 
and there's going to be as long people are going to get in the habit of not going into the city and eating dinner because they don't know if it's open or not. They're tired of going on Google and figuring out if James Joyce is open or not. So yeah. it's going to be rough, man. It's going to be long, long, long reaching. And I told Rob Long this week because uh, he was telling me he was at a bar and he had a great time watching the game. And I said, you know what, man? Uh, there's probably hundreds just like you who watched that game somewhere they've never watched it before. And now that's their good luck spot. And they're never going to go back to that city bar again because they found a good luck spot. They had a good time. It took them less time to get there. And the, the excuses go on and on and on. And these city bars and restaurants are going to be hurting for a long, long, long time. What has it been like for you to see the outreach from patrons that come to your spot and then just in general because you guys have such a big social media reach so you you see it probably more than a lot of places um but what has that been like to feel this is the compliment so I, I keep using like humbling and overwhelming and all these words but it's just like i've been like crying like daily because people that i idolize are like reaching out to us and it was like waves like the first wave is always our regulars people that literally watched us grow up inside the restaurant reaching out to us. And then you get the next wave of the social media followers. You know, once they find out what's going on, the people from Ohio and Idaho and California, like, man, they're messing with Jimmy's. I love that place. They're funny on Twitter. Let me go buy a t-shirt. And then we just had, like, Marlon Humphrey reached out to me. Uh, Eric DaCosta, um, John Harbaugh purchased 15 famous gift boxes. And these are people that, you know, they're like our idols, right? The sports fans. And it just like, it makes you like appreciate uh, what you've been able to build over the years. And then I know the wrestling fans here, just the wrestling community pitched in, man. And, and you said wrestling fans are loyal, but I never realized how loyal they were because guys like MJF and, you know, Drew McIntyre and, and everybody was just a Tommy Dreamer, any wrestler that you can think of. And once again, these are guys that we grew up like idolizing are tweeting about Jimmy's and saying support Jimmy's and here come all the wrestling fans. And it's the thing about wrestling fans. We'll argue amongst each other, but the minute somebody comes for us, we stick together. So we can argue about WWE versus AEW all day, but once somebody calls us like a booger eater or makes fun of, <laughs> you know, makes fun of our black t-shirts, it's war and we stick together and we have each other's back and it's the most unique. I don't want to call it a brotherhood, but it's, it's the most unique click uh ever and so yeah it's been amazing but it's i feel kind of guilty at the same time because i understand that we are the exception and just because uh we're able to tread water doesn't mean that i've talked to you, like, the, the bars at this point are going to make it and these guys and these these men and these women who have sacrificed seven days a week for 20 years or more just like james joyce who i just mentioned uh, are, are going to close. Like I, I don't want to even like, put other names out there. There's a lot of like very famous places that are going to be closed for good. Like when the vaccine comes out and when the, the weather warms up, they're not going to be there. And then what happens? These big corporations just come in and buy them. So you're going to have all these national chains in your neighborhood and it's going to hurt. Now you... Go ahead. Sorry. You, Go ahead, you talked about, you know, a little earlier about what the regulars and what, what your people are doing to and what, what you guys are doing to help your staff and, and you know, the, the DJs and the trivia people and the music people. Um, can you get into a little more of that? Is, is there anything else that 
again, people who want to help, who get food every now and then, or, or, you know, stop by every now and then, you know, what else can, can the listeners or again, any of the casual diners, the people who are dining there do to help you guys out? Is it buying gift cards? Is it merch? Is it sharing a post, liking a post, something like that, just getting more exposure on you guys? There's so much you can do, not just uh, to help Jimmy's, like I said, there's so many people that need the voice, they need it amplified, right? So first of all, like you mentioned, think about the musicians, think about the DJs. They're all trying whatever they can. They're, just go to their Facebook page because we all know the algorithms are so messed up these days. Check out their live streams, tip them first and foremost, because when these places aren't open, they don't have work. And even the places that are open, when they're open at 25% and 50%, that's not enough for them to turn a profit having an entertainment act. So they're probably not getting booked. They're all losing their New Year's Eve gigs because of the 10 o'clock curfew. Um, go to your favorite service page and see what they're doing for money. A lot of them are doing delivery uh, and just help them out. Uh, you know, one fast that's going severely untalked about during this whole time is do a, a mental welfare check on them. You know, with the power of social media, we've all been fortunate enough to connect personally with our favorite chef, you know, our, our favorite busboy, our favorite bartender. Like, hey, how's everything going? Are you okay? Is here to talk if you need anything? Gift cards, like you mentioned, are a huge help. Uh, and it's, it makes a lot of sense with Christmas around the corner. It's a great gift. If the merch looks good, I would recommend buying it. You know, don't pity party anybody, but a lot of bars and restaurants, man, they're coming up with really cool swag these days because they have to. Um, and then most importantly, and I'm doing this, if you're going to do your Christmas shopping, just stay off Amazon. Just do something local. Find a local place selling dressings and sauces and shipping them. Help them out. Uh, T-shirts, anything you can do locally, uh, it goes a long way. But there's when you said sharing and retweeting, it all goes a very, very, very long way. And I can promise you, I'm speaking for every restaurant and bar owner that I know, we'll never forget this. So when things get back to normal, the ones that are able to make it, you're all going to get treated like kings. Uh, it's going to be so much more appreciated. Not that it ever wasn't. And it was before. It's the little things that we took for granted, you know, cheering for the Lamar Jackson touchdown to Hollywood Brown is going to be so much better this time around. The Christmas parties next year are going to be so much better. Um, but I can promise you that it all goes noticed and people might not have time uh, to thank you at, in the moment because right now they're just trying to get by. But uh, when they do catch their breath, they're going to remember who was there for them, who wasn't. For sure. John, what is it um, like for you? Um, I don't even know how to describe this, but to look back on the moments that you've had owning this restaurant, like, and you, you talk about experiencing things within, you know, moments in games and things like that that's a really unique experience that a lot of people don't have because it's so communal. We all have jobs where, you know, we're, you know, me and Marty work at Maryland and we go nine to five and we experience things, but you are experiencing things with the entire community as they come to you. What, how, how does that make owning a restaurant different than really doing anything else? You know, it's crazy because um, my dad never wanted me to get into the family business and he always stressed the importance of education and he wanted me to have more of, I guess, a job that he couldn't have being an immigrant. And, you know, in hindsight, I don't think that I was destined to do anything but this. And I love it. I love going to work every day. 
I love the drive to work. I love being at work. I love the people that I interact with. And I love the opportunities that it's afforded me. And, uh, you know, the one thing that keeps it going to answer your question is I don't take any of it for granted ever. Uh, I remember uh, every single like positive interaction with anybody I looked up to. I remember the look on everybody's face when we're able to pull off these like awesome charity events. Uh, I remember, you know, the thank yous that I get like from the employees when we're able to like create the fund and they're like thankful, man. Cause, like this is like life changing money for them. And it happened today. And you just got to enjoy the ride. And traditionally I usually don't, I, I don't get to appreciate the moment unless I travel and I touch my fiance all the time. It's not told like, the door closes on the airplane you know, when we go to Greece every summer that I'm like, man, that was a really cool, like 11 months. Like we did so much. And now with COVID and it being threatened to be taken away from me, it's like a daily reflection session. And it's like, man, it's a really cool job. And you get to meet some really cool people. And I mean, I've met pretty much every person that I've ever wanted to meet through food. It's crazy. And <laughs> Uh, I went through a phase, I guess, where I try to play it all, and now that's out the window. And I'm just like, fuck, that's so-and-so. I'm like, well, that's so cool. And, you know, we're doing the Toys for Tots event Sunday, and I was texting Pat Sajak, and it's, like, so freaking cool to me that he's, like, the number one talk show host in America right now, and this little, like, restaurant owner from Dundalk is texting him. It's crazy, and he's, like, quick with it, too. He's not making me wait a day to answer me, and he's not one word in me. And it's, it's amazing. It's humbling. And uh, I, I guess it just makes me realize, you know, what a cool little thing we built on there. I want to know how you got, how your bar became so big in the wrestling game. Like the amount of interaction. That's an easy one, oh, that's an easy one man. The biggest stars in the, it, it, this has always fascinated me. So Great take, question. take me down this road. It's easy. I mean, where else would you go? <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are shunned everywhere we go, man. If you ever went to a bar and asked them to put wrestling on, what are they going to tell you? Uh, they're yeah. going to laugh at you most of the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where else can you go? And this goes back to when I was a kid, and there were three TVs in the bar, and my dad may have been uh, running the cable from the apartment on top. <laughs> and Monday Night Football was on, and me and my brothers would be upstairs flicking between Nitro and Raw, and my dad would call upstairs and be like, hey, we're watching the football game down here. Put wrestling, I mean, take wrestling off. <laughs> yeah, and we, and you know, wrestling fans, as we, as we touched on, they just want to feel appreciated and they want to feel welcome somewhere. And I don't think there's anywhere else in the country that throws pay per view parties and wrestling trivia and where you can be eating 10 feet away from Roman Reigns on any given night. And the Miz can walk in and make fun of your Ravens jacket. He's a Browns fan. And it's a really unique place. And at the end of the day, uh, those guys feel very appreciated to come in there because the Ravens get treated great everywhere they go, right? Pro athletes get treated great everywhere they go. And they have these routine schedules where it's kind of announced they're coming in. And wrestlers, for the most part, are living on the road out of a suitcase. So when they can go to a Jimmy's at midnight or 1230 and get a crab cake instead of going to Denny's for the sixth night in a row, they love that. And when they get treated well by the owner and the servers and the fans – respectfully because they, they don't hound them uh, i think that it is it, it just builds up a camaraderie and an appreciation between the entertainers and the establishment and the establishment's family which is obviously the customers 
Didn't you say one night that the Miz came in like he was either going to Philly or coming from Philly, and like you guys were still busy, and he Saturday just night, man. Saturday night, it was the night before Ravens Browns, and he shows up in full character, which isn't a character because that's who he is, and he is the most like, the charismatic person that's ever come through Jimmy's, and that's not exaggerating one bit, and he just starts like taking food off the tables and just like anybody that was wearing a Ravens hat, he was fucking drunk too. And flirting with girls and, and jumping, like ladies, married ladies. I don't want to make it seem like he was hitting on people. Um, just like, you know, being very, very nice and kind. Like, he owned the place. Like, you would, you know, you guys know me, I'm pretty quiet. He's loud. And, and people thought he was the owner, probably. <laughs> Control. And I'm not talking about, and you guys know there's more than one room with Jimmy. So he was going from room to room. And I'm like, look, Miz, like, you're, you're like the top picture on the wall of fame. Like, of course I am. You know, it's, it's, it, it all comes so natural to him. Yeah. Great. That's great. <laughs> now what now? Okay. So you're talking, this just came to me. You're talking about your wall of fame with, with the Miz and everyone who is anyone is on there. Who is not on there that you Ooh. want to get on there that like before, before whatever happens down the road, like you need their picture up there. Who's like your white whale of, of Jimmy's coming in. Roy Williams. It's not surprised. <laughs> so I need some like high school kids around here to step their game up so you can come through, recruit them, and get a crab cake. Because he's had the Jimmy's crab cakes, but he's had them in Carolina. He's never had them at Jimmy's. Yeah, so, who who's on that wall that that was kind of jaw dropping when they walked in? Um my favorite, I always tell everybody this is Pat Sajak. I just when he comes, because he, he lives locally in Maryland. I just think that's the cool. I think he's the coolest guy in the world. You big wheel guy. Yeah, I was gonna say, how many people asked him to buy a vowel? Um, he hears it, he's eating and he gives it back. He's eating crab and uh, he's getting dirty and they're screaming stuff at him and he's giving it right back. Like, he's very, very funny, obviously. He's very witty. Um, I'll tell you a good one. Uh, jaw dropping, I would say masterpiece. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. No. When they were at the arena one night, uh, I was still living on top of the restaurant and it was when the Hummer. Uh, limos first came out. Two Hummer stretch limos come into the parking lot, and I'm watch. I'm actually up on a Monday night watching wrestling, and uh, I see that we have the old little black and white um, security tapes, and it's about 10:30, so I should be asleep. And I guess they, they asked where they can go get a, a late night meal, so they came there after a concert, and I run downstairs. I'm like, holy sh! It's the New Limit Soldiers, <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, do you know who that is? And he's like, No. And I'm like, it's Master P. It's like, Master what? I'm like, oh, my God, he's the best rapper. So I run up to him, and he's like, first of all, why aren't you sleeping? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's wrestling night. So I run up to him, and uh, I'm like, hey, man, I'm a big fan. And he actually had a, a backwards UNC hat on. So if you look at the picture that we have on the Wall of Fame. An old picture, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty much in my pajamas, and uh, he's got his backwards UNC hat on hovering over me. He's a tall dude. So that's I would call that one jaw-dropping for sure. Yeah. Did, what, what did what did he uh, did he like the crab cakes? Oh man, they uh, they went over. I remember they went over the top because the kitchen couldn't keep up. It was, it was a, <laughs> I remember it being a Monday night. It's late, so you know you're not very busy uh, on a Monday night at ten thirty, even in the heyday of Monday night football. And uh, they just ordered so much. I remember just the cooks being ballistic because they were probably getting ready to go home. They're like, "How are we going to do all this?" But they were really cool. I remember they were really big tippers. I remember uh, the ladies that were working that night were, were talking about it the next day. And uh, it was really cool for me because who didn't listen? 
I, I'm a, probably a little bit older than you guys to master P and knowing the soldiers in high school. Real quick, how did you become a wrestling fan? Ultimate Warrior. Oh, wow. Okay. Ultimate Warrior, man. Like, I saw that. It looked like a real-life superhero. And uh, I, I've always felt that wrestling is great for kids to watch because there's a defined good. There's a defined evil. Um, there's role models for you to look up to. There's, you know, very good uh, male influences for young boys. Uh, and it's predetermined at the end of the day. So for the most part, good will overcome evil. So it's like watching a movie where the good guy always wins, but it's a lot more interactive. And if you go to the house shows and you can watch it with your family for the most part and not feel threatened and, and not feel uncomfortable with your kids. And they really cater to kids, especially WWE, uh, you know, with their comic books and their wrestling figures and their video games and obviously the PG rating, which we as adults, you know, don't like as much. But uh, when you're in there, you, you really never get out. I always say that everybody watches wrestling, but not everybody admits it. And it really oh, yeah. is the male soap That box. is so true. Yeah. Yeah, you pick up on, like, little things that people say, and you're like, we're on the same page. And that, no, and then when people are in the bar and they'll make a reference to, like, Daniel Bryan saying yes or head of the table with Roman Reigns, I'm like, oh, I thought you didn't watch wrestling. I mean, if it's on, I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> Yeah. If I'm, if I'm flipping through commercials, I, no, it's so true. And people will just, yeah. people also make references to wrestling that they don't even know are wrestling references mm -hmm. because it just gets so ingrained in the, in the yeah, I mean, you're brony, know your role. And it goes on and on. But uh, yeah, when I was a kid, it was uh, Mr. Perfect and the ultimate warrior for me. That's who I wanted to be. Like I wanted to look like them. And uh, obviously I fell short, but they just gave me a good role model. You know, the, and, you know, that led to going into the gym and then going into the gym has, you know, affected me in a very positive fashion professionally, because if you want to look like this, you got to do this, you got to make these sacrifices. And it's no different from the business world. And, you know, guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger and The Rock have been on record saying that, that it's helped them achieve success because you have to be very disciplined. And uh, the older you get, the harder it gets. So, I mean, I'm a yeah, I think, it's pretty, I think it's pretty crazy that just like, wrestling has had to innovate with the times and, and change with the times. I think Jimmy Seafood has also innovated with the times and changed with the times. I, I think that's a really nice parallel there. Yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a good story. I actually told that to Chris Jericho last week, man. So uh, full disclaimer, Chris Jericho went online for Toys for Tots. Um, he bought himself a $100 ticket. I, I recognized his name uh, on the mail sheet and he made a $400 donation on top of that. Wow. for our staff so uh, i hit him up and i said you know i i, I told you guys man, i've been very emotional uh since we got shut down again and i said i'm just telling you man um you've always been an inspiration to me the way you've reinvented yourself and stayed on top and i've always at some point since you hit mainstream try to model uh, my business after you and just try to always adapt the times and he like i guess he loved it and then we have a mutual friend and he's like, Hey, he's like, John was really appreciative of that. You know, the money you left for his staff. And he's like, John, I'll do anything he wants. He's the fucking man. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Have you ever had any run-ins with Vince? No, no, no desire to. No, <laughs> no, no desire. No. That's not the model there. That's not what you want to go after. Yeah. You know why, man? Like I, I used to really love Vince uh, when he laid people off during the, uh, first round 
of COVID, I was really disappointed, especially knowing some of those guys. Uh, and, you know, I, I know a lot of the guys love him and they talk about him like a father. But uh, for me, not to lay off my employees with my little business uh, and him not to be able to and to be looking at the bottom line the way he was, he kind of fell down um, my favorites list. And then to make matters worse for the Vince comparison, um, Tony Khan, who owns AEW, as we know, actually uh, is giving us the opportunity to cater the Jaguars post-game meal on Sunday because he owns them too. So uh, I don't want to meet Vince. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not on my white veil list. Right now it's down to two people, man. It's Roy Williams and Luke May. I was about to say he that guy should be there. Yeah, he's actually uh playing overseas now. I think I, he's also had the crab cakes over you know shipped to him, but I uh, haven't uh gotten him into Jimmy's yet. But obviously, you know, my favorite sports moment of all time was you know that shot he hit against Kentucky. So I got to meet the guy, and I love his story blue collar, walking on. Yeah, not giving up and then hitting one of the biggest shots in program history and, and sticking with it. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's, you know, kind of model myself after that guy. We, we didn't even talk about it. I know you and I talked about it in, 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 in our text with uh, Tyler, but I mean, was that this Mother's Day? I think it was Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. And then I, might even I, I totally forgot about that. Right? But like my three guys when I was growing up were Ken Griffey, Frank Thomas, and Cal Ripken. And, uh, that was pretty – he hit me up directly. And I was like, holy, you know, it's it's Hank Griffey. So that That's was – unbelievable. That was, yeah, like, who didn't have those shoes? And I I, I ran online. I tried to get more uh, Griffey swag. And I can't believe Mikey doesn't sell it anymore. That's one of the greatest logos in history. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest color schemes in history. And they just don't make it anymore. I don't know if they had a fallout or what, but they're missing out on some serious money there. He was a face of baseball for a good five years or so. Yeah, like, and who did like, Cal and, and Ken Griffey? I mean, and everybody tried to emulate his swing, and the father son story was the best in baseball. The video game, the fact that he never touched roids, uh, everything about him was pure. And little big league man, <laughs> yeah, so mm-hmm. it's a movie. And then he's, uh, I guess it's kind of just gone into obscurity now. I, I did read he, he bought into a soccer team, if I'm not mistaken, in Seattle. Um, yeah, it's just like, it's like stuff like that, man. I share a lot of them with you, Eric. It's, every day, it's just like when you walk in there with that positive mindset, like something positive, something cool will happen, uh, even under the current circumstances. And that's just why I, not only as a leader, but as a, uh, a human, you can't, but what you can't control, control your mood. You got to keep that smile on. You got to keep pushing forward. And you, because people look up to you. And you know, if if I'm sitting there moping around, they're gonna be like, man, you know, I might not have a job tomorrow. If the boss is worried, then I better be worried too. And uh, when we're in our comfort level, sometimes we hit cruise control. And right now, I'm sure as hell I'm not on my comfort level. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about something positive. We can kind of bring it back. You've talked about it a, a few times this this episode. Um, talk talk to us about the Toys for Tots and what that's meant for you guys, just as a restaurant. I know you know I've been to a couple of them. Um, buying my ticket tomorrow for the one this weekend. Um, just just talk about what that means again, not just to the restaurant, but but to like you and just the big picture thing that the Toys for Tots just being such a big event for you guys. It's our first event. 
Um, and when, when I identified, when my father passed and I identified early on that I wanted to be a place that blended the food with the way my father raised me and my high school, Loyola raised me and to, to give back and be meant for others. That was my first step. So we had a little 20, 30 person event and we collected about a hundred toys and the Marines came the next day and picked it up and it just it filled my soul. It made me feel so great. And then it's evolved so much over the years to where we've collected over 10,000 toys, uh, not us, but the community, because they drop them off anytime between December 1st. And they let us always go up to like December 21st, 22nd, because they know how many it's going to be. And with COVID, I, I couldn't let that be taken away from me. And I wanted to put a positive spin on it, man. And the, the regular one, we get dressed up and we wear shirts and ties and the ladies wear gowns and it's really classy and it's cool. And we make Christmas cocktails and, you know, we're eating food and we're collecting toys and we're raising a ton of money for all these different charities. And I'm like, well, we can't do that this year. And we we're planning on doing like a, going back to the original version when we had the restrictions and having like 40 or 50 people, but still being able to collect a lot of toys. And now we're down to zero. So I really had to, I hate this word, pivot again. And I'm like, you know what? If I can't have people here, I'm going to have, the biggest names that I can pull out of a hat show up virtually. So I hit up Pat Sajak because I, I, you have all these favors kind of like saved up, right? <laughs> so I called Pat Sajak. I called up Colin Cowherd. I called up Roman Reigns. I called up Cal Ripken. And of course, I had to give my boy Rick Ritter love, right? So I need you put you Rick know. with them. <laughs> I got, I got Rick. He's my boy, though. I love Rick. I love Rick. So I, got Rick I got Rick closing it up. Um, and I'm like, Hey, I need you guys to just do a 30 second to a minute video, uh, you know, next Sunday for Toys for Tots. Let's talk about the Toys for Tots charity and talk about Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And, uh, we're a couple of days away and we're going to have the awesome concert and we're going to have Santa Claus outside, uh, waving to everybody when they pick up their food. We opened it up to all 50 states for the first time ever. And like I said, you make a positive out of a negative and people are going to be able to live stream it. And, and see like the Marines and see Santa and watch the concert and you know, maybe a surprise or two in there too. And it's going to be cool. We're going to make the best out of it. And we've already raised 5,000 bucks for leukemia and lymphoma. Uh, we've collected over 2000 toys already. It'll probably be double that by Sunday and the tradition lives. And, you know, when they write the book of Jimmy's one day, this will be one hell of a chapter, but my favorite part about it will be that toys for tots didn't take a year off. Yeah, and, and and like I said, I've been to a few of them. I remember, I think Marlon Humphrey was wearing a cowboy hat last year. Jimmy Smith was in that like all bright red suit. Like, it's it's yeah, like you said, it's always a good time. So I, I'm definitely excited. Vibe, unless and like I hate people say this all the time, unless you were there, you, you don't understand that vibe. There's so mm -hmm. much love. There's so much love in there because you see the Marines take the toy out of your hands and put it in like this big U-Haul truck. And then the second U-Haul truck comes and then the third U-Haul truck comes and you see that you're personally making a difference and you're seeing people from the charities that you're handing a check over to telling you where your money's going. And it's like a week, in most cases, a few days before Christmas. It's super, super special. And everybody's wearing their ugly Christmas sweaters or their Christmas colors. And it's really cool. And it sucks that we're not going to have it this year, but uh, the end result will be the same. Absolutely, yeah. 
I think that's that's a good bow to put on our our second interview with you, John. First, I have to say I wasn't on the first one, but to watch what you guys have done at Jimmy's throughout all of this stuff, um, and and always been great in the community, um, it's pretty inspiring to us um, as people that live in Baltimore. I will say your Loyola Dons will never beat my Calvert Hall Cardinals. Oh, I forgot about this. That's so right. I'm, so, yeah, I'm sorry Hall. about that. Calvert Hall. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Our Hall and Duke literally did the same thing this year. Oh, we're not going to win this year. <laughs> <laughs> COVID can't show up. Mm. Like, well, well, maybe next year. Maybe next year you'll get a shot. Yeah, when, when our quarterback is got, and here's the worst part: our quarterback is going to Duke next. He's year. going to Duke. Oh. He's going to Duke. He's oh, very no. good. He's very good. Yeah, I know. That's why you didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> How did you let that happen? How did you let him go to Duke? Yeah, oh, you, you don't have the booster in here? That would need an, a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll jump on that the next time. John but he's got a brother. He's got a brother on the way. There you go. There you go. You okay. got to steer him. And and let me tell you, <laughs> Mac Brown not doing a bad job recruiting. Oh, man. Right that now, game so. is past week, yeah. And he's got uh, Luke May's younger brother, uh, Drake May, playing quarterback after Sam Howe graduates. And he stole him from Alabama. I never thought that a UNC player would spurn Alabama – uh, but it's happened twice already under Mac Brown. So we're a football school now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> football school. John, thanks so much for coming on with us. Uh, and everyone, obviously, visit all the, the great things that Jimmy's does um, out there. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Back to you in the studio. Back here on the Exit 52 podcast. Once again, thanks to John Minadakis for jumping on with us. Um, always great. And as we talked about once John jumped off, on the zoom, just a, he's, he's a, just a really good speaker at putting things um, into pretty simple perspective about what he does. Um, and, and as a small business owner, there's a lot of aspiration in how he, and how he speaks. And that was the most inspirational thing to me. What were your guys sort of main takeaways from the talk with John? I, I thought the restaurant stuff was super interesting. And as I said, before the interview put our kind of thoughts about what we were trying to do with be, be there, be more into perspective. Um, of how much struggle this is for restaurants in the area. He really just embodies the entire spirit of the small business owner. And um, he doesn't, you know, sugarcoat about what these businesses are up against. And we're just trying to help uh, anyone who's struggling or in those positions. I mean, he, he named some restaurants that are already closing and he's, he's alluding to um, not, he's not even speculating. He's hearing about these businesses that are in, really troubling times and how they're kind of helpless and not really in a position to, to, to make it to the other side of this. And, um, you know, I've said it on my Twitter account, I've said it maybe on this podcast before or whatever, like our place, our favorite places to get together and watch football together and enjoy each other's company, get to know people and, and have memories, make memories are at a lot of times these bars and restaurants and, if we do not support them now, they will not be there. It's that's just fact. So um, we're trying to do what we can to help anybody who, who needs help with the be there for be more campaign. And um, I highly encourage that you do what you can, if you're able to. Um, and even if you can't like just send some positive supportive messages. I mean, he even referenced the, the mental health thing. I mean, that's huge um, for everyone in this entire um struggle these last nine months for everybody um and i think he just put it like you said in a great perspective it's really powerful i mean he you could feel the energy through what his words of of just how serious the situation is and taylor i I don't i don't know if you said it on i can't remember if you said it during the recording or not but 
you kind of mentioned, I was thinking before you had even said it, that he is kind of the mouthpiece for the small businesses, the local businesses in Baltimore. Because again, you see Jimmy's all over Twitter. You see him on Instagram. You see him on Fox News at 4.40 in the morning. Um, so he is kind of the face of, of the, you know, the restaurant, I guess, the, the, the neighborhood of restaurants like in, in Baltimore. And, and like you said, he was I mean, so well-spoken, everything he said. I mean, it's all true. He means it all. Um, and, and I mean, you can, you can tell that he not only cares about the restaurant and because again, like, like we talked about in the first interview and like he said here, that was his home. Like that building is literally where he grew up um, and where his dad, you know, had that American dream come true. Um, and his employees aren't just his employees. They're his, you know, I know, I know personally, some of those employees are some of his absolute best friends that he would literally take the shirt off his back if they needed. And, and um, like he said, he's, he's, no one is going to be laid off from there, um, which was interesting too. Cause Brian, you, you asked him about the Vince McMahon question. That's one of the biggest wrestling fans I know. And he said he was disappointed in Vince saying, you know, Vince McMahon laying off people. And, and he said, if we don't have to lay people off from Jimmy's, then you know, what are you, what are you guys doing wrong? Um, but like you said, I, I could listen to him talk about anything for, for hours. Cause he's just that he's a very smart guy. Um, and he's very passionate again about his work and, it's just his livelihood and, and you could tell how much it meant to him and, and not just, and he's not just all about Jimmy's. If you look on their Twitter account, they're tweeting out iron rooster. They're tweeting out, you know, all these other small bars and businesses. And, and it's not just, he doesn't only want to see Jimmy survives. He wants to see everything else survive. He wants to see all his neighbors. And, and, you know, it's, it's like, if he can't have some, he doesn't, he, he doesn't want to be the only one left at the party. They, they want everyone to, um, to survive this. And, and again, us doing what we can tipping the, the, the music people, the to go people, the, the, the hosts who are, you know, or the, who are there, that's, what's going to get this going. And, and like he said, they, they're not going to forget the ones who were there, who tipped an extra five bucks, who tipped an extra 10 bucks, who Venmoed the, you know, the DJ who doesn't have a new year's Eve gig, which is something I didn't even think about. Like that little stuff is all stuff yeah. that they're, that they're trying to, to figure out right now. So like I said, I'm, I'm buying my toys for tots ticket tomorrow. Um, and again, just helping out any of these businesses um, any way that we can. For sure. And, I, and he, what he said that, that maybe hadn't fully crystallized in my mind about this problem is that this is not just like a two or three week problem. This will go on for years and years as these businesses try to get back on their feet. And it's not just restaurants, too. It'll be other small businesses and, and, and other places around town, around the country, around the world. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's what we said with the, with the be there be more is hopefully we can stem some of that. You talked about new year's Eve. I mean, you think about how much bar, bars charge um, to get into there for those parties. That's big to their bottom line that none of them are going to be able to do that. I mean, you know, we've banks, we've been to those things together. I mean, those, those things are packed and they make a ton of money and you're up till four in the AM. We're, we're, getting drinks at hair and the dog playing photo hunt late into the, the, the morning hours. Jeez. And that's, that's a lot of, that's money that these places are not going to get, you know? Um, so hopefully, like we said, keep supporting um, the campaign uh, that we put on, but even if you don't send in, you don't want to win anything, make sure to take, you know, once a week, twice a week um, to go get something from your play place. So when we come back, uh, we can have some of those experiences. Um, Cause I would, I would like to, it, it would be nice. Yeah. It'd be nice to be able to, to go. It'd, it'd be great to be able to get together as a podcast and have some beers and just, you know, hang out. <laughs> yeah. With the listeners. We These love podcasts listeners. Uh, over zoom, like 
I mean, I saw we've been exchanging some some stuff in terms of the prizes between Eric and I, and I saw Eric's face for the first time in months. I was going to say I couldn't. Oh, February, the, the the Jimmy's flag football tournament. That was probably the last time I saw you in person. No, we did Jimmy's golf actually. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did do that. I totally, yeah. But yeah, but, hopefully once, uh, once everyone's vaccinated and we're back to normal, we can, we can do all those different things. Uh, and thanks once again for John for coming on and for Jimmy's for, for supporting our show uh, since we started as well. They've been, they've been absolutely awesome. We'll get to Nick Caner medley, Maryland man person. I never know what to name this segment, but it just continues to roll on. Uh, Mr. Banks, you can start it off. Uh, my number one is Trace McSorley. Um, the guy did his job to a T this week. Uh, we don't win that game if he doesn't throw that third down dart to, to Willie Sneed. Um, heck, he even did the job throwing the, uh, the out to, to Marquise Brown that he dropped. Um, and then just him, him with the knee, you know, that was tough. But he died so that Lamar Jackson could live and create the legend that he did. Um, and then seeing him, you know, hobbling towards the locker room and seeing up on the jumbotron, Lamar making that fourth down play and him, you could just feel his energy as he saw that he just like, you know, he's just a, just a competitor. That's what made him what he was, even though I hated every second of it at Penn state, he was a bulldog, you know, he just is, is a football guy that loves the game, likes getting out there. And, um, it was cool seeing him do part of my take today too. So. That's a good one. That's a very good one. RDT. All right. So I literally just figured out my uh, Nick Caner medley. Man That's of the what week. you call big time prep right there. Because I saw it on the bottom line of this Duke Notre Dame game. Um, I, and I totally forgot about it. Detroit Lions center, Frank Ragnow. Oh yeah. Who played in that game. The, the, the loss against green Bay with a fractured throat. I don't even know how you fracture a throat. Today I learned that. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and like I'm reading about it and it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. They said it like happens in car crashes and, and you know, it's just, he said he turned around and he didn't, I'm reading. It says he didn't allow a sack or pressure while playing with a fractured throat. I mean, that's unbelievable. He didn't miss a snap. Yeah. Ian Rappaport put the tweet out there that uh, he's a pro bowl hopeful you know, Ragnow fractured his throat and everybody had that initial reaction. He had the follow-up tweet about not having any sacks allowed or anything. And by putting Pro Bowl, like, what did he say? He, bowl or like- uh, He's not going to be in the Pro Bowl. Potential like Pro Bowler. He locked himself into the Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. probably for the next handful of years because, I mean, how many centers does anybody know in the league at any given point? Is Jeff Saturday and, um, you know, maybe- uh, Nick, Ma- Nick Mangold had his moment. Matt Burke a little bit, but other than that, Ooh, who knows Matt Burke, centers? Matt Burke, big time canceled. Yeah. Big time. Harvard, um, though. Nick Mangold also, I saw him in Bethany Beach uh, last year. <laughs> 8 a.m. walking along the boardwalk. Wow. Very random. I said, long, I told my that wife. That might be the great, one of the, that might be the best random story in the history of the show. I literally go, <laughs> I go, Lauren, I, I said, that guy used to play uh, center for the Jets. <laughs> and she was like, and she, she goes, said, him? She goes, but he's not fat. And I tweeted that to him because I didn't dare say anything to his face. And she's and he responded with like, well, that's the nicest thing I've ever heard someone call him. Like, not fat. He's not fat. <laughs> One of the best compliments he's ever had. So that is very, very good. That is very, very good. My uh, Nick Kinder Medley uh, person of the week is uh, Darts, uh, the return of the world. Oh, my God. I forgot. Uh, that was this that was week. 
Uh, and if you are a listener and follow my uh, social media, you will have seen that I have tweeted uh, a few times about it. I will be continuing to tweet about it. So you don't want to see it. You can mute me or unfollow me or do whatever you want to do. Uh, without the crowd, it is not as good, admittedly, because uh, the crowd and the party uh, this clips come up on this every year because this is the time the world championships happen and Barstool or whoever will put like darts is the most electric event of all time. And then they forget about it. Let me tell you what I do not forget about it. Um, and when it comes back, um, it's very exciting. Uh, Banks, you are now uh, pretty into it and are watching as well, um, which is great to see. Um, and uh, Peter Wright, who is the world champion of darts, the world champion of darts. And I tweeted this video uh, came out to Peter, Peter Wright, Peter Wright came out to <laughs> the, uh, his match uh, in a Grinch outfit. And that's really what all you need to know about the theatrics of darts. It's tremendous. And it's so relatable, so freaking relatable. Anybody uh, can kind of throw darts at a bar. So um, it's unfortunately on zone, which is a pay service. So I want to tell people to watch it, but you got to pay to watch it. So follow like PDC darts or sky sports darts. You can see some videos. Uh, my social media to be able to see some videos but it's very fun it's very fun i love it's it. very the crowd makes it what it is and uh the the, the players do not have walk up songs they have walk on songs and i found myself just popping on a youtube and my headphones at work today and just letting the youtubes roll from one walk on song to another and honestly the crowd's going crazy as these people these these darters just come out for their entrances and it's it's like it's like a wrestling arena meets competition meets bar game. Like it's, it's awesome. It's just the best. Yeah. And normally when you watch, if you go watch clips on YouTube, you have people dressed in all the, they call it fancy dress is what they call it on the bar on the, uh, the darts <laughs> broadcast, but it's like people in costumes and it's, it's, it's a tremendous scene. And we were going to go in New York. It was, it was, when we it was were in New York in the summer, it got canceled because of COVID. We were going to go, but um hopefully this year we'll be able to go or in 2021 so uh that is my uh, darts by two honorable mentions uh first is fire pits in this time where we can really not see each other inside uh we have been able to sit around a, a fire pit which has been tremendous um banks you've been involved in, in, in some of my fire pit uh experiences and we've had a great time um, so it's a lot of people to see faces besides the people they live with or who they have to work with. And then finally, I have to give another shout out to, uh, our girl Taylor Swift, um, who this album is just fantastic and they're all fantastic. So, um, last week, I believe we were recording, we were recording before the album came out. The album is now out. Eric, I'm assuming you've listened to every song many times. Um, and, uh, it's very, very good. So the best, uh, it's for, thank you. And for the listeners who are Taylor Swift fans, my favorite song on the album is Ivy. So there you go. Oh, I've gone back and forth on Ivy and long story short. And Marjorie's hit me in the feels like, you know, I, you know, not to get all doom and gloom, but I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I lost my grandfather. Um, it was just this time. And then I've lost my, uh, a, a grandmother earlier this year. And that song is about. Yes, just, yes, it is. Uh, your Taylor Swift's grandmother and just, kind of there's some lines in that song that are just about like and i wish i had you know asked more questions about this that and the other like it just hits you it hits you hard um my honorable mentions and i'm struggling here to remember what they are because you just kind of kind of diverted my my line of thinking there um first is going to be everyone who has sent in a receipt so far for this be there for be more campaign 
Um, we love to see the tips that have been going out there and supporting our, our, our local workers and the businesses need to help too. So, you know, um, you love to see the way that, that people have gotten together here in the city and are supporting their local restaurants and supporting the people that work there too, and just doing their part. And, uh, you know, we've, we know we're kind of pounding that message home, but it's an important one. So, um, I can't really say it enough. And for, uh, we're just trying to help people as best we can. And, and just to, to reiterate, you don't have to be in Baltimore to be in this competition. Um, you can multiple enter multiple times. So you'll get more entries in when we draw for something, everybody's name rolls forward. Um, so we have a lot of stuff to give away. So mm-hmm. keep those in and odds are you probably will walk away with something sweet. So um, shout out to the people that have donated and uh, shout out to the people who have given us receipts. And my last honorable mention, and this is just because I, I mean, I can't, I'm playing it straight here, but it has to be played straight because of just how awesome that football game was the other night. And I think I've strayed away from giving it to him too many times because it's easy for me to do that because he's my guy. But Lamar Jackson, I mean, Lamar Jackson has to be mentioned as a Maryland man of the week because he put on probably his most memorable moments of his career so far on Monday night. You know, he's had the Monday night game against uh, the Rams where he just lit it up in front of everybody. And that was just a, just one of the more ridiculous blowouts I've ever seen. Uh, he had the the big win in, in Seattle. That was kind of his coming out. Like I'm now an MVP candidate guy. He had that game. Um, I mean, he, he won the AFC North in 2018 as a rookie. Um, so he's had his moments, but I think him and the whole thing with the shits, that everybody like is having their fun with. Um, it's just, that is just adds to the legend that is Lamar Jackson, the entire episode that that was. I can't believe um, mine stuck around. It's like that. When you get that, that draft pick that, uh, that just I feel like out. I've been looking right past something. Like, my, my honorable mention is, is our buddy Marty Suma. Oh yeah. Today, yeah. His pardon my take debut today. Um, we've talked about Marty. He's, he's helped us a bunch with the podcast. Um, a good friend who, again, we would love to be able to participate in Mardi Gras. I think all of us would, um, yeah. by the way, the first Mardi Gras back is going to be, it's going to be unreal. Wow. By the way, he, he snuck onto chills. that interview. I'm getting chills together. He was, yeah, he was on that interview too. The voice that was, mm-hmm. I told you he's doing Rogan now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The guy yeah. snuck onto our podcast and asked John a couple questions during that interview. That voice you might not have recognized that isn't ours because you guys are such loyal listeners and know all of our voices by heart. Uh, that other <laughs> was uh, the one and only Marty Suma just kind of doing his podcast tour. Yeah. And, and you're right. Great. That's a great call. Marty was awesome on part my take uh, and spoke <laughs> spoke to a thing that I currently deal with at times as a social media manager. And it's always, it's always a tough thing because you never want your team to lose like that. Um, but he's so, yeah, what he talked about, the mentions on those are so bad and you, you can't help but read them. And that's why I can just never imagine what athletes look at in their mentions. Cause if, mm-hmm. if team accounts are that bad in their mentions, I can just only imagine what like Lamar Jackson's mentions look like or Marquise Brown's mentions look like, or Marlon Humphrey's mentions look like, um, but yeah, Marty's awesome. Marty's awesome. And, and was, was he'll, he'll, he'll be on this pot a time or two as we, as we head through. Um, yeah. And he's been a pivotal part of this campaign that we've been doing too. And obviously the formation of this podcast, including the name, we've said it before, including the name, including the logo, 
he's been a huge part of it. And so he's part of the team here at Exit 52. Yeah. The Exit 52 family, as it were. Yeah. Um, he is certainly a member of it and will continue to be a pivotal part in the things we try to do as we go forward. Uh, Banks, anybody for the list? I, I can't imagine it was a big list week with how great Lamar was. Uh, no, I'm not adding anybody to the list. Uh, we saw Trey Wingo try to take a little bit of a run at, um, I mean, he wasn't taking a run, but he just wasn't giving, in my opinion, Justin Tucker his proper credit as the greatest of all time. Even if Adam Vinatieri has kicked some Super Bowl field goals that, um, his team has put him in position for, I don't think that Adam Vinatieri was ever, the type of weapon that Justin Tucker is where he completely changes the complexion of a drive at the end of the game, because you only have to get to a given yard line because of how big the leg is and how accurate he is from those deep distances. So Adam Vinatieri, like all the credit in the world for him hitting the clutch kicks. Um, Justin Tucker is 14 of 14 inside one minute um, in his career. Like he's hit a double overtime winner in, in the playoff game in like 15 degree weather he his field goal in super bowl 47 was the difference in the football game um you know kaepernick drove down the field there and would have been in position to just kick a field goal um and take the lead it had justin tucker not made like a 46 yarder on the previous drive so he's hit big kicks in the super bowls um he's hit big kicks in playoff games he's hit all kinds of big kicks 61 yarders on Monday night football, which this is the seven year anniversary of that game. He had a big one against San Francisco last year. He had a gigantic one on Monday night. Um, I just, and, and by the way, just the most accurate kicker of all time. There's no question that Justin Tucker is the greatest of all time. And um, I thought you had a great note on the incident analysis. Go back and listen to that folks. If you haven't at this point, but Eric made a great point that <clears throat> There's nobody in any profession in sports that is head and shoulders above the rest of their position groups the way that Justin Tucker is with the other kickers in this league. He's that much better. So we've had a couple of days to chew on it. And I don't know, Eric, if you have any other comparisons. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the only one that immediately jumped to mind was like Mike Trout. Like, who's the second best center fielder? Or you could even say out. If you go outfielder, it's probably Mookie Betts. And it's like, okay, that, that margin is probably slim. But I don't know. I, I think there's a I conversation think, there. Cause again, are you like, not to, not hey, to, not to toke uh, Taylor's uh, Mike Trout take. Oh, he's a loser. <laughs> that doesn't mean that's a, that doesn't mean he's not a great player. <laughs> no, I, no, I was more laughing at the face. He made, at yeah, the reaction. Yeah. He's like, Oh um, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, just I, mean, when, I mean, just when push comes to shove, he, he doesn't, you know, make it to the thing that he doesn't even get to the push. Though. I think he, I he doesn't get say, shoved. I think he's I don't three need to in do the playoffs. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, at, from a, from like a day-to-day competition standpoint, he, I mean, there, there's, there's probably not um, a ton of debate potentially. Um, there's really nobody like it in basketball. There's, there's. I was there's, thinking like LeBron. It wasn't even LeBron as a. No, as a, because um, he's always had he's always had solid peers. Like Durant has always been mm-hmm. has been there for the the one been there for the last few years. Kobe. Um, you know, you've always had guys. I mean, he's won what? I mean, you know, he's won a few MVPs. It's not like he's won the MVP every year. There's sort of always guys that are right there. Now, some of that. Willie Willie could he should. <laughs> no, yeah, that's another sure, that's yeah. another topic too though. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think 
like at times, like like in, in boxing, Mayweather was at, at like that at times. Like he would just was such a virtuoso. He would just kind of he would just kind of roll guys. But I mean, boxing is weird because you have weight classes, and there's always mm-hmm. good boxers. But we're talking team. present day. There's nobody like it right now. I mean, you no. said maybe Serena Williams at given points. Um, Woods in 2000 and 2006. I'm trying to think of like team sports because we're, we're sort of talking position groups as opposed to those, some of those yeah. individuals. Yeah. Like we could sure. talk, you could talk Michael Van Gerwen. I mean, Michael Van Gerwen had some runs. No, I'm just kidding. It darts. The, um, <laughs> like, I, you know, I thought you were hacked. hacked. It's, it's, I I hacked. <laughs> there's no, there, nobody knows who that is. There's, there's like, there's no one in soccer that's like that. It, it, I'm, I'm just thinking, of, I'm just like looking down the list of, of things. There's no Banks and beer smashing with his foot on stepping on cans. No, yeah. I've got yeah. rivals there. I do. There, I have peers that are quite good at smashing cans. Yeah. So. Yeah, you do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> there's no one in hockey. Uh, it's, Co- yeah. He is on that Mike Trout trajectory, by the way. Who is? Connor McDavid. He is on that. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's tremendous. Mm-hmm. He's tremendous. But in terms but, of, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Trout, yeah. Maybe Connor McDavid will win something every once in a while. That would be, um, that'd be nice for him to do. Um, and Justin Tucker's already won stuff. So sorry, Mike Trout. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Loser. God, would I love to have him on this show? I don't think he does interviews anywhere. I can try, we can try and get him on. The funny part is he would come on this show and I'd be like, oh, Mike, what's it like to be just so good at baseball? Remember when you robbed that J.J. Hardy home run? Yeah. That was awesome. Not, not, hey, Mike, you're such a loser, you clown. Um, maybe, sure the intern will, maybe the intern will tweet that uh, to Mike Trout that he's the loser. Yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Um, but, yeah, shout out to Justin Tucker. That's, that's a great way. That's a great way to end the show. I mean, that guy is really going to go down when it's all over, and who knows how long it'll continue because he's a kicker. As one of the all-time, this is gonna sound wild. One of the all-time Baltimore sports legends, from his performance on the field, to his performance in big moments, to his overall likability and embrace of so many things of the city, being local ads and and um, being you know so well liked amongst the fan base, uh, and being a lifer. You know, he he he. I'm assuming he will retire as a Raven. I don't think um, they're gonna let him get away. So. And the guy, that snaps keep. Too. the guy that snaps yeah. him is pretty good. So. Great snap, Morgan. Great snaps. Great snaps, Morgan. Every single time. Great hold. The, great to have the Wolfpack back. Yeah, we'll, uh, very true. As, as we head uh-huh. towards. By the way, just Justin Tucker made that field goal 55 yards. No big deal to win a Monday night football game. Little to no celebration at this point. It, it is, it is none. None. The only celebration was because Lamar, you know, hugged them. And Tucker didn't even look comfortable with it anymore. No, probably because of, <laughs> of recent events. I think you might have said that on Sunday show, but uh, or Monday show, Monday night show. But yeah, the uh, he's just he's so good. He's so so good, and he will be back in action on Sunday. We will also be back in action on Sunday with the Instant Analysis podcast after it's all over between Jacksonville and Baltimore. Um, make sure to go back and listen to the Instant Analysis if you want to hear more about the Browns and Ravens game. We went about 41 minutes around that on that one. Yeah, that's like, I think, the longest Instant Analysis we've ever done. We really covered it you know, from every single angle. So if you want to go back and listen to that, make sure to. Yeah, shout-out to our guy, Marty Suma. Make sure to go listen to his appearance on Pardon My Take. A couple shout-outs for the pod on there, too, which was, which was cool from those guys. Um, and Marty was great uh, talking about a topic that I can, I can certainly relate with at times. And um, 
just continue to support. Be there for be more. Um, as 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 Brian said, even if you're someone that's done it before, you can submit more entries. Um, and even if you could do it once this entire month because of what your situation is, um, it will keep a lot of those local businesses and, and restaurants afloat. So make sure to support that. Um, keep sending those DMs and emails and all those different things. Follow the boys on social media at Barstool Banks um, and at E. D-I-T-T-I-22. You can follow me at Taylor Smith 10. You can follow the pod at X52 Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And we will see you after Sunday's game on the X52 Podcast.